Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging objective truth. Here's the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton. Thank you, Suzanne. Today's program is very special to me because we get to talk with a man to whom I feel a significant personal debt and to the professional author who helped him tell his impactful and inspirational story. I'm honored to welcome to Core Principles, Marine Sergeant Matthew Bo Wise and Mr. Tom Saleo. How are you men doing today? Doing great, Clay. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Clay. Doing well. Well, my first question is for you, Tom. You've written extensively about military heroism, including books like Eight Seconds of Courage and Brothers Forever. How did you get involved in telling the story of the Wise family? Well, thanks for that question. I uh, had learned about their story um, after an article came out in the Washington Post. I believe that was uh, somewhere around 2014. And uh, I was involved with another book at the time and and had some others pop up after that, but it never left my radar. And I was just kind of looking for a way to uh, reach the family. And it was actually a gold star wife by the name of Sonia Williams, who her husband had served with uh, Bo's middle brother, Ben, in Iraq, which we actually talk about in, in Three Wise Men. And she was kind enough to put me in touch with Ben's widow, Tracy, and then Tracy got me in touch with Bo. And, and right away, I think we we clicked on what we wanted to do. And, and obviously, I told him it would be an honor to help tell the story of his brothers and his family and uh, and the rest is history. And I hope everybody uh, really gets something out of Three Wise Men. I know I did while uh, helping Bo write and research it. Yes, sir. Well, thank you for the way that you both told this story. It's sometimes an exciting adventure tale and sometimes just an overwhelming memoir. I think excluding the Bible, I have never cried more over any book than I did over Three Wise Men. So listeners, highest possible recommendation. And you might want to get both the hardcover and the audiobook because it's kind of hard to read through tear-stained eyes. Well, the reasons for those tears, Bo, were the sacrifices that your family made, uh, particularly on my behalf as an American. Before we talk directly about those events, I want to ask you about growing up in Arkansas with your dad, Dr. Gene Wise, with your mom, Mary, your sister, Heather, and your older brothers, Jeremy and Ben. Now, you surely had many stories to choose from as you gave us a glimpse of your childhood. Mm -hmm. You chose that revealing and humorous Harvest Festival incident. Could you share a bit about (laughs) that with your listeners? Oh, yeah. So we had this this, uh, really awesome house in in South Arkansas, just outside of a small town called El Dorado. And uh, it, it, Kentucky fans can probably, uh, Kentucky natives can probably appreciate the pronunciation El Dorado, not El Dorado. <laughs> uh, but it's very, uh, um, you know, rural country. At one point in time, we had a horse and uh, and everything. And, and but, long story short, I, I ended up getting conned into uh, I, multiple times into stealing candy, into spying, and uh, uh, this laundry chute that went directly up upstairs to uh, my parents' bathroom. And it had access to the closets where they would hide Christmas presents and things like that. So I ended up kind of being the spy multiple times. And one particular incident, I was hiding. I was in trouble, and I didn't even really know why I was in trouble. And 
of course, uh, Jeremy ended up accidentally pushing me down the laundry chute. Um, fortunately there was a <laughs> bed sheets and dirty clothes and stuff, but, um, yeah, that was kind of the, the typical mischief that, you know, we would get into is usually pretty innocent. Um, you know, when somebody got hurt, or they, which was usually me being so much younger, 10 years younger than Jeremy and, uh, um, nearly that to Ben, but, uh, you know, nothing really ever very serious, but, um, Tom and I just felt that that story just kind of, you know, painted the picture really well as far as what kind of childhood we grew up in, you know, having a very wholesome Christian upbringing and, uh, just, you know, as rural and as, uh, you know, tight packed a family as we had as kids, you know, despite the, the huge 10 year age gap from oldest to youngest. The wise family, uh, has a rich military tradition. You, uh, talk about that just a little bit, but I wanted to ask you if nine 11 had not happened, do you suppose, Bo, that, that Jeremy and Ben and yourself would have still chosen to enlist, or was the global war on terrorism the sort of singular catalyst for your service? Well, Ben enlisted just before, but Jeremy, I've actually asked, I've asked myself that question um, in his absence a few times. Like, uh, But as, as we say in the book, I, I think that even though he, he doesn't credit 9-11 for his enlistment, him being on the fence about buds for so many years throughout uh, college and medical school, I believe 9-11 was just the uh, straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. Yeah. So um, my, my, as far as myself, I think uh, in an effort to emulate them, and the more that they got into it, the more exposure I had to it and the more drawn to it that I was. So I would say, um, you know, Jeremy, flip a coin. Uh, but my my attraction to military service was based off of their experiences. Yes, and for for listeners who didn't catch that term, buds, that's a naval training, basic underwater demolition for SEAL training, really. So uh, Jeremy was my Navy apologies. Seal. I'm I'm Thank sorry. Uh, I'm also <laughs> former military, so they they resonate with me. But you know, we speak in acronyms and <laughs> right. <laughs> well, a certain film director who made a movie with very realistic battle scenes has said that he didn't think anything could be worth the hell of war that he depicted on screen, but you and your brothers obviously believed there are things worth fighting for because you volunteered for not only military service, but specifically for things that you knew would take you into direct fire combat operations. So I wanted to ask you, Bo, what things do you consider worth fighting for? And do you still hold that same belief after all that you sacrificed? You know, I do. And I, I, you know, uh, thank you for the question because I, I can enthusiastically say that given the opportunity, Jeremy and Ben would do it in a, again in a heartbeat. And so would I, um, but there's a, I mean, who could have known that, you know, the, the, the path that we were going to take was going to go where it did. But the point is, it's not just that, that Jeremy and Ben enlisted, but they re-enlisted, uh, multiple times, you know, Jeremy, not in the agency, he chose a different route, of course. And, uh, through Z, formerly known as Blackwater, and ended up working for the Central Intelligence Agency, which was after three trips to Baghdad, this was his first trip uh, to Afghanistan. And so he, he knew what he was doing multiple times, and uh, he was determined, um, you know, once he signed the dotted line, you know, hell or high water, I'm going to be a Navy SEAL. And that's, that's the reason that he was uh, allowed, as you read, you know, being injured in buds and allowed to come back because he said, look, I'm I'm, I'm in this, I'm in this for the fight. And there's, um, you know, I'm reminded every day, you know, being a father now, even though I wasn't then of, uh, of why we do what we do. And, 
Um, even though I didn't have children at the time, I, I can look back at Jeremy and Ben, both husbands and fathers, when um, you know they were deployed and then eventually killed in action. And I can tell you that I, I know exactly why they did what they did, and and I'm very proud, you know, to be their brother. Well, thank you. I I mentioned sacrifices, and of course, as the global war on terrorism's only sole survivor designee, uh, you, Bo, and your family know far too much about it. But this is uh, sort of the hard part of the interview where I'm going to ask you about Jeremy's heroic actions in Host Province and Ben's heroic actions in Bog Province. When you described the frustration that you felt about initially being denied any of the details of the CIA operation Jeremy was on, I really shared that dismay. I was relieved to learn a little later in the book that some of the information was declassified. What can you tell us about that treacherous incident in Host? Absolutely. So Jeremy was uh, a member of the team at Fob Chapman that um, uh, they were going after the, uh, well, um, essentially, Zarqawi and Bin Laden. Um, and there was a Jordanian doctor, Al Balawi, who had, uh, I think, given intel and, I think, photographs of himself next to either uh, Zarqawi or Bin Laden or both. Was it both, Tom? I don't, I don't recall the photo. It Zawahiri, excuse me. Yeah, I always say Zarqawi, excuse me. But um, anyway, it, so the CIA at the time thought that they had finally uncovered a um, a double agent who could help get them inside the uh, the tight-knit circle of Al-Qaeda, the, the, the deepest circle, I guess. Well, it turns out he uh, kind of duped the CIA, and um, he ended up being a triple agent. And unfortunately, there was... Um, a few tactical mistakes made, which was, um, you know, as uh, Tom and I have, you know, found out the, the extensive research that Joby Wark did for his book, Triple Agent, and he did a phenomenal job with the families and the agency and, and uh, the security force agencies as well. well. Jeremy and Dane were the two security contractors on site, and they were two of the seven when he was brought inside the FOB. Long story short, he went to the other side of the vehicle to avoid being frisked or security. And, um, he ended up saying there, I, I forget the pronunciation in Arabic, but there is no other God but God, and uh, clacked off a vest um, before security could get to him, and uh, unfortunately killed seven members of the team, and Jeremy and, and Dane were included in that. And that was Coast Province Fob Chapman, December 30th, 2009, which was also depicted in uh, uh, in a short scene in the movie Zero Dark Thirty. Yes. Um, ben and I uh, were, I was uh, in Helmand Province at the time, Ben was in bulk, and we came home, buried him, went back, finished our deployments, and then um, about a year later, uh, we were in Afghanistan again, uh, once again at opposite ends of the, of the country, and I came home, his battalion got extended, and he was in a, uh, a long, drawn-out firefight, uh, again, I think in Balk Province, Afghanistan, on January 9th, and he was breaching a cave. Uh, with his commandos, and uh, they were kind of, well, I, I just leave it at that, but um, he uh, cragged the cave. He knew that there was hostile only in the cave, and um, which in layman's terms, I mean he threw a grenade inside this little, uh, this little uh, cave that wasn't that deep, but somehow the, uh, the gunner inside survived, and as Ben was breaching, he took... Um, eight to ten rounds uh, to the chest and legs and groin as he was uh, crawling out of um, the entry hole. And um, 
He was pulled out of the line of fire and received medical treatment and airlifted to Bagram, and then from there to Landstuhl, Germany, and succumbed to his wounds after six days of fighting pretty impossible odds. Yes. And that was January 15th, 2012. And I'm going to tell you, the part of your book that made me cry the hardest was your description of the scene at Landstuhl, so we're not going to talk about that. But, Tom, this book that you've co-authored with Bo is, is full of just overwhelming uh, occurrences like that. Uh, very descriptive, very well told. But it also has some very special smaller scenes, I would call them. And my favorite was probably the late night outside the wire at forward operating base Marja as Bo was praying and his agnostic fellow Marine offered him some wise counsel. Uh, this book is between 270 to 290 pages. Uh, did it require a lot of editing to focus on these most impactful events, or how did you choose scenes like that to highlight? Well, that's a great question, and as I'm sure you can imagine when you're dealing with the lives of, of three young men who touch so many other lives, and, and you know, they have significant others, they have uh, uh, children in some cases, and all kinds of friends inside and outside the military. There's obviously a lot to choose from. And I think what we did was right in the beginning, we decided to just kind of go in chronological order as the story unfolded and talk to every person that we could reach. Um, there were some cases where we couldn't reach people because they were literally in combat. Um, and there were some cases where we were able to reach them while they were in the war zones and, and they called back and, and gave us uh, all kinds of, of stories that we never would have known otherwise. But, you know, I think when deciding what to include and what not to include, you know, there's no hard and fast rule. It's just, you know, Bo would tell me something or somebody that I interviewed would tell me something. And I'd say, you know what, that sounds pretty special. And let me make a note of that, you know. And, and, and then when you just kind of start writing, all your plans can kind of go out the window <laughs> because mm. <laughs> you know you're going through everything and then suddenly I'm writing about something like you know Bo sitting outside the wire with his fellow marine and I don't even know how I got there so um, I just kind of let it happen and and um, but with the with the foundation of having talked to as many people as we could possibly speak to to paint the most accurate picture of Ben and Jeremy it, it works. It worked on me. Uh, very effective. Um, Bo, I might have been Thank mistaken you. earlier when I said uh, I had the hardest question for you then. I, I want to get to, uh, in in the course of this interview, talking to you about your faith in God and how it gives you strength. But to lead into that topic, I want to ask you if you would share with our listeners uh, a little bit about that night in early 2015 in Arkansas when you asked your wife, Amber, to hide something from you until she considered it safe to give back? Sure. You know, it was uh, not easy to write about and, uh, you know, what needed to talk about. Matter of fact, I, I didn't even mention it to Tom until after the manuscript was, uh, quote unquote, done. And I said, hey, there's there's one one thing that I, I need to say. And... Um, you know, if you wouldn't mind, just let me, let me give me a couple more hours. Let me work on something, and we'll go from there. And you can tell me what you think. And at the end status, you know, after it was done, and I, I said, Tom, you know, what do you think? And 
And he said, look, I, th- I think that this could help other veterans. And, um, you know, if, if you want to be honest, I know it's being really vulnerable. Let's talk about it. So we did. And long story short, I was contemplating the easy way out. And, um, and uh, I ended up staring at, um, staring at my 1911. And before, um, after just a short contemplation, I, I, you know, thought about a lot of things. And I remembered, you know, everything that Jeremy and Ben taught me. But, um, I, I, you know, one of the things that I remind myself after the fact is that, you know, despite everything that Ben went through, that, you know, after six days of fighting the impossible odds, and we've, Tom and I have talked to medical, we've been approached by medical personnel from Germany and from the American military that have said, you know, I don't know how he survived the lift to Bagram. And he just, he was just that much of a fighter. He was just that tough. And then let alone another um, uh, medical flight to Germany from Afghanistan. So, but I, I just remind myself all the time that if, if Ben can keep fighting, then I can keep fighting. And the item that you're talking about was my 1911 pistol that I ended up giving to my wife and said, you know, just keep this for now until, um, you know, the time is appropriate and you think it's all right to give it back to me. And, um, and you know, I, I've, it, it need, I think that it needs to be taught. I mean, since, you know, since I got out of the military, just active duty alone, I've lost, I keep losing more and more of my combat brothers to suicide. I think that I've officially lost more brothers and sisters to suicide than I have, uh, to Iraq and Afghanistan combined. And it's, uh, this stigma where we don't talk about pain, this cultural stigma in the Marine Corps where we don't identify the problem or talk about it publicly has got to stop and we've, we've got to put an end to it. So if this experience, you know, can help veterans, then if it just reaches one, it'll be worth it, you know? Amen. And thank you for it. Uh, it, it is so important. And if there, you know, if there are folks listening who know people in those circumstances, understand that there are always, always, always resources, uh, and they, they are Absolutely. not hard to find and, uh, you're never, ever alone. And speaking of never alone, uh, with all that you and your family have endured, Bo, it should be obvious to our listeners and everybody that's interested in this book. And I hope everyone will buy this book and read it. And, um, that you have something special that gives you strength. Uh, could you tell us what your faith has meant for you? All the difference in the world now, I, you know, I think one of the reasons I was struggling is because I was, you know, ignoring faith for so long. And that's one of the reasons that I was going through the issues that I was. So, um, you know, I, I mean, it, you're, you're, you're only going to, survive you're not going to thrive without it and then you know no one wants to you know the agnostic well i'm not not trying to dog agnostic but you know there has to be an end game or solution you know final product and it it makes all the difference in the world but you know when we say things you know just take it one day at a time and i'm guilty of saying that i really am and you know in in retrospect looking back you know one day at a time is is not a good strategy what happens when you have a bad day you know what i mean so you know, there has to be, you know, a, a healthier way to walk and healthy way to survive. And me personally, for me, Jesus Christ is it. And I'm, you know, uh, so it, it, it makes all the difference in the world, you know, and, and it helps keep you focused kind of like Peter, not getting distracted by the storm and just keep your eyes on the prize and just keep moving forward. You know, well, that's really, really powerful. Uh, Tom, as, as you were working with Bo on this memoir and this story, what else can you share with us about, 
uh, things you learned that we wouldn't have expected or that you were surprised by or that inspired you that you'd like to share? Well, so much inspired me. Uh, every single person I spoke with inspired me. I think specifically the strength of Ben's widow, Tracy, who from the very, very beginning was willing to participate. I would say go beyond participating in this project. She really opened herself up to some of the most awful memories and awful experiences that any wife could have in terms of, of a tragic loss. And, and she just went all in and, and I, I cannot express enough how much I admire uh, Tracy. And of course, every member of the wise family, not just Tracy, but, but the way she was willing to really put it all on the line and, and share you know, those moments you read from Lance Soul and, and the journey, you know, to Germany and, and back from Germany is just unimaginable what everyone went through. And I'm just so grateful to her and, and again, to the whole family. And then the, the other thing that inspired me, of course, is yeah. Bo's willingness to relive, you know, these twin tragedies and everything that's happened since. And during the course of this, Bo and I have become you know, close and I think lifelong friends. And I'm just so grateful for that. I'm grateful to him for trusting me to help tell this story and to speak with members of his family and close friends of his brothers. And, uh, you know, no matter what I do or where I go from here, uh, this is always going to be an experience that I'll never forget and, and always be grateful that I had a chance to play a small part in. Thank you, Tom. Well, I want to thank both of you so much, Bo Wise and Tom Saleo. Uh, this has been a real honor for me. Bo, I had uh, a career in the Air Force myself. I was deployed to Afghanistan, actually on an Army billet. You may uh, be keen to this, but, uh, you know, they talk about joint operations. Uh, all of you, know, you Marines and we Air Force and everybody else knew that joint is actually spelled A-R-M-Y. Um, but, uh, I was there in, uh, 2005 when operation red wings and red wings Two happened. Uh, my most oh, wow. vivid memory from my time there was at Bagram airfield. I spent most of my time there in the safest place in theater. In fact, I was never in direct fire combat, so don't get the wrong idea. Uh, but saluting those 16 flag draped caskets as they passed in review. So this airman is proud to salute you, Sergeant Wise. Hoorah. Thank you, sir. And thank you for your service. Hoorah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Bo Wise and Tom Saleo, uh, the book is Three Wise Men. Please get a copy, and uh, I also recommend the audio book. Thank you again, Bo and Tom. It's been a great honor. This honor's mine. Thank you for having us on. Thank you, Clay, and thanks for your service. Yes, sir. Core Principles Podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by Real Productions. Music is by Late July, L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find our music on all streaming services or at latejuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles Podcast. Please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information. And please share with your friends. We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.